0: You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, friends. We are back in Brooklyn from a beautiful trip in Italy that I am just so incredibly grateful that we got to go on. I will talk a little bit more in the PS about one of the new magical places that we found and fell in love with. But this trip felt like in some ways, with everything happening behind the scenes in our lives, it felt like the worst time to be going on a trip. And if we hadn't booked all these things that were non-refundable, I think we might have been like, you know what, let's just maybe take this another time. And yet I also think it was so deeply needed and something that we talk about more inside uh, My Healing Burnout course, is the importance of rest, the importance of healing our nervous system, the different types of rest. And truly, I think Jeremy and I are just both so refreshed and renewed, specifically from the second part of our trip. The first part, we were working remotely. The second part was true vacation, and we've not been on a true vacation in over nine months. And I now, I am I feel it so much. I think that's the thing about burnout is that it can really sneak up on you. And it's not like you're going to fall off a cliff. You're either burned out or you're totally healthy. It's really a spectrum. And we can maybe feel more burned out in a day than another day or in an area of our lives. But one of the hallmarks of burnout is discouragement and I think I didn't even realize that I was feeling discouraged in some areas. I definitely could sense it in Jeremy until we rested. And then I could just sense the difference in our conversations at dinner each night. And I realized we are both feeling more positive, more optimistic. And that is a sign of burnout. And actually next month, I am, I've i got an assessment for you on how to get your your burnout score, sort of how to go through this assessment and get a sense of, am I burned out or not? What are the hallmarks that I should be looking for? But I'll tell you one right now is that sense of discouragement and just kind of feeling defeated, like no matter how hard I try, it's never going to be enough. And just feeling less optimistic, less hopeful. Um, and going on a vacation is absolutely not um, the, the complete answer, but it can be, it's so much more complicated than that, but it can sometimes be that thing that helps you see, Oh, right. I was struggling more. And therefore now that I'm feeling a little bit more refreshed coming back, I'm going to dig even deeper into the tools that are inside my healing burnout course to better support myself going into quarter four. And a huge thing that I did also was, I sat down and did, I started my next portrait in the Elegant Excellence Journal, which if you don't have one, the portrait version starts off with um, vision casting, reflecting over your last year, reflecting on where you want to go, going forward, goals, desires. And that just always hits for me at the right time that whether it is a trip or a season change or a life change or just getting to the end of my journal, which is kind of what happened here. I got to, I only had a couple pages left in my last journal. We're going on a trip. So I grabbed the next one and I wasn't actively thinking, you know, now would be a perfect time to do the next portrait. And then once I got over there, I just realized, thank you to my past self for creating this product because this makes such a difference. Sitting down and doing this reflecting and doing this recentering, I kind of realize that I've been living so much in the in the kind of granular in the day to day. I mean, we were so focused every single day on what do we need to move forward with surrogacy, what do we need to move forward on the admin side, and all of that. You're kind of week by week getting your appointments and your milestones, and then it was so granular when my brother in law got into his accident and. Um, It just felt like there was so much this year that was like, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do this week? And it is so different when you take that time to sit down and really just kind of remember like, okay, what what are my values? Where do I want to be in 10 years? What is it that matters to me? How can I celebrate the things that are going well? How can I honor the things that have been hard? And I think just both of those tools, the Alec Excellence Journal, journal and healing burnout. I'm so, you know, I'm so passionate about everything that I do in work because I only create things that come out of my need, my pain point and that I continue to need and use. If I just have to learn them once then I'm not that interested and I I kind of throw it out there to the world and then I move on and I create other, you know, other teachings and I explore other things. But it's so fascinating to me to realize with all the wisdom and the work that I have done, not to be like, you know, hair flip, I'm so wise, but saying I've done the work and I've I've cultivated these practices and yet I can still get kind of stuck in the muck of the day-to-day and getting a little bit discouraged while also having beautiful things happening in my life. I mean, we're so thrilled that we're moving forward with this pregnancy. And so you can also say, no, I'm excited in life i'm I'm optimistic about what's coming and not also realize, but in these other ways, these second and third and fourth levels and layers, I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling weary. i'm I'm not looking at the big picture. I'm not using all of the tools that I could to really heal my burnout. So it just felt like such a beautiful timing of this trip. And also, there is a beautiful silver lining of the timing that I mentioned on Instagram stories that I was jokingly said. FYI, like pro-life tip, you're welcome in advance. If you can fall madly in love at the exact same time that one of your best friends is on vacation, I mean, you have just hit the jackpot because one of my friends is in the midst of having the most movie script page turning novel meet cute of someone that she met uh while traveling internationally. And it was so delightful and joyful that here I'm on vacation, I'm sitting by the pool, I can spend hours going back and forth, listening to her voice messages, me sending her voice messages, trying to kind of parse out, you know, what should she do? How is she feeling? What does this mean? Is this the one? Like, and and also this is the friend she she messaged and she was like, so I might have met my husband and I, have she's, she has not really said that. It's like, I, I knew that she was like, this kind of feels like it's a big thing. But the reason we've been exchanging so many messages back and forth is because if this is quote the one, and of course there also is a choice, right? It's kind of both things. It's like, this sort of has to happen to you. And you also have to say, yes, I am going to accept this because There will be major changes in her life if this is her person, in her lifestyle, in her career. Like I won't share her specific details, but if you think about your life or the life of a friend, what would be really big where you're like, if I am head over heels in love for this person, I also have to give up so much. Like This is a major fork in the road. This is a huge sliding doors moment of you know, maybe for example, you live in America and if you met someone in Australia and you're like, okay, I mean, my family is all in America. So I'm going to move literally halfway around the world. That's, that's big that, and they, and that was not in your plan. Or for me, it might be if I met someone who lived in a very rural place. and I was like, I'm, you know, I've always lived in a city and that's been my life. I've never even thought about moving rural. So i Am I sure that this would, or how would I know, how would I be sure if this would work for me? Or, um, I, for example, I have a friend who has a tenure track position at a university, but is also a writer and a tenure track, you, you wouldn't be able to keep that job if you move to another country. And you also wouldn't be able to just go get that job if you move to another country. But what if that friend who also is a writer is like, but I've wanted to write more so i'm giving up one part of my career but am i getting to lean in more to this other part of the career but that's a big decision you can't you can't go back easily once you've you know walked away for that from that and the relationship the choice is going to be pretty fast for a variety of, re- of reasons one is that the guy that she's met is in a non-remote job and because they are they live very far apart. It's like, there's not going to be a visiting back and forth. Like she's really going to be the one going to him. And then she can't be pursuing, you know, so it's like, it's going to be either really long and exhausting and drawn out, or you're going to make the decision. And also, you know, like a lot of women and and friends in my life, you're at an age where you're in your thirties, you're in your forties. You don't want to spend Three years trying to figure out if this is the person. I've had friends that, you know, have spent their quote prime years with someone that really would have been their years to, um, to biologically have children, to, you know, the years that they would have wanted to become a mother and felt regret that they didn't get clearer sooner on whether or not this was going to be right. Um, I also have. You know, sometimes in something moving fast, I have a colleague uh, who lives here in my neighborhood who is also on a surrogacy journey, which is how I met her on Instagram. And when she was pretty new in dating her husband, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And they were going to give her time to do one round of IVF, because if you're unfamiliar, if you haven't had friends go through it, chemotherapy can, I, I, uh, I want to use the word decimate. That feels very aggressive. It's probably a, a more... Kind term for that, but can sort of like decimate the your your egg reserve, the quality of your egg. So it is common and recommended if you haven't had children yet to do IVF before you go through chemotherapy for cancer. And so she tells the story of they're in the doctor's office, and he says to her, "Do you?" The doctor says, "Do you want to make um, eggs or embryos?" With with her boyfriend sitting right there, and she's like, "Ah!" Like turns to him, and he's like, "Embryos," and it's like this moment of like, we're, we're in this, like this relationship is going fast and you've got to decide now if you've got one chance to make children, we haven't been dating that long, but like we're deciding to be in it. So I've been thinking about this idea that sometimes, you know, big life decisions are fast and they're intense. It's not like a slow burn of, yeah, I'll be with this person for a few years and I'll see, I'll pursue this career, I'll explore this city, you know, whatever it is that, that you or a loved one is trying to decide, sometimes it, a decision has to be fa- is going to be fast and it also is going to be big as in like, I, I kinda can't go back from this or I'm gonna risk a lot, I'm gonna sacrifice a lot if I choose to say yes to this. And what I noticed in messaging back and forth with her is that it hit me as I was saying kind of what inspired today's episode, I felt I am giving way different advice to her than I would have. And this friend, I've known each other for decades at this point. I thought I'm giving her way different advice than I would have 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I would have encouraged more slowness. Like, I don't think you should rush it. I think you should take your time. Like, And maybe you would have encouraged more like, life's short, just go for it. But in either way, I would have, and I'm curious if you would have basically said, like nudged, maybe even very strongly nudged, maybe even very cl- clearly declared, Here, here's the answer go slower or life's short, go for it. I'm encouraging you to be more judicious or I'm encouraging you to have more faith in the universe. But either way, I'm pushing you to do one or the other. Now, maybe out of love, maybe out of wisdom, you know, not like being pushy, but I would have pushed. Like, you know, the the Ouija board you played when you were a kid, like it only moves because somebody's pushing it. You're not actually I'm sorry if you believe that there were actually spirits in the room with you there, but somebody was pushing it. And I think I had this sense of like, I, I I don't want to push her in in any direction because I don't know the direction that is right for her life. So instead, what I want to encourage her to do is tune into her own inner wisdom. And I realized, That's because of the work that I've done in the Elegant Excellence Journal, Healing Burnout, What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, that really all of that has been about cultivating trust with yourself, understanding what motivates you, how you want to feel, how your thoughts are leading to your feelings. It's so much more about an inner self-awareness that then leads to more peace and calm and confidence and clarity in all of these areas, how you feel about your body and your beauty, not being overwhelmed, having less, more joy, less overwhelm, feeling more positive and proud in yourself about how you're moving your life forward. You know, I, I love therapy. Please go to therapy. Um, not definitely not taking anything away from that. But I also was reflecting that I personally feel that I have learned far more for far less money by cultivating the habit to listen to myself, understanding my motivations, my fears, my joys, which is what one, is one, one thing a therapist can help you get to and they can help you understand you know, the, the complexity of what's happening there. Um, and again, I will continue, I'm sure, to go to uh, therapy at different points in my life. But if I really look back at what has changed me so much in the last 10 years, it's the work that I have done within myself through these through these teachings and realizing I didn't have to find the time in the, the perfect time in my schedule. I didn't have to be able to leave the house and get there and be stressed when I was late and whatever. The things that I was doing in the seasons where I went to therapy – Instead, by cultivating the practice of journaling every morning, by having the wisdom of how to heal my burnout, by constantly being in this dialogue with myself around what makes me feel beautiful, what makes women feel beautiful, I have healed so much from this. And in in going into that inner wisdom, and I was realizing she was sharing, you know, my mom has this red flag over here. She's concerned about this thing, about this guy. And- you know, she may be talking to another friend that's, you know, kind of metaphorically like shoveling the popcorn in just being like, oh my gosh, like your what's his last name? Oh my gosh, your first name, his last name. That's so cute. Oh my gosh, you guys are gonna have the babies with the accent and like, you might have that friend that's kind of whipping you up into, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so good. And that can be supportive, right? Like you're trying to, I am excited for her. I'm thinking those things in my head, but I'm not saying them out loud because I don't want to nudge the Ouija board into the idealism of this perfect novel story because I don't know if this is the right path for her. I don't know. No one but her can know the right answer. Her mother has her concerns for her and whatever, but that doesn't mean the mom knows what the right answer was for you. And so I said to her, if I was you, I would be doing a ton of of journaling every single day about how am I being honest with myself? I did, I used my elegant excellence journal so much when really making the decision to say yes to surrogacy. Even though we were already on the wait list, we'd put down a gobsmacking amount of money for the deposit, but it was refundable until we said yes. So I still was really grappling with, am I being honest with myself? about how I will feel not carrying this baby, never being pregnant, trusting someone else to carry our baby, accepting the huge gift of this, being in the room while another woman screams out in anguish to give me something. Like I had to walk through, am I being honest with myself? And I shared in our story there, I think anyone who feels like you know, either it's easy to go through surrogacy or you could never do surrogacy or whatever your opinions are, has probably not gone through every single one of those layers, including what if you don't have many embryos? What if you have all these friends having recurrent loss and it's all different reasons and they can't figure it out until they go through two, three, four losses. Um, Tara Lipinski, the figure skater, is doing a uh, podcast series on her fertility journey right now. And I just listened to the last, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I listened listened to the last couple episodes. And her story is the story of a friend of mine where it has to do with reproductive immunology. I think they went through six transfers before they figured this out. Like, And for me, I just kept hearing so many of those stories. So I had to go through that and be like, am I being honest with myself? And also, am I being both optimistic and realistic? Am I not living in fear or fantasy? And I love a good alliteration, of course. So that phrase came to me and I thought that's so much of it is it's, are you not living in fear of what if I make the wrong choice? What if I, you know, in the case of my friend, what if I give up my life back home? What if I release one of my careers? What if I, you know, all these things, am I not just focusing on the fear, but am I also not focusing on the fantasy? I'm going to fall in love and it's going to be magical and we're going to have this movie romance and actually three, five years into it, I'm going to be like, I don't. I think I kind of got swept up in the moment of it. And I said, ultimately, you are the only one that can decide for you. Do I feel peace about this decision? And will I feel peace regardless of how the path unfolds? Because that's what I had to do in IVF six years earlier was I had to say, how much money will I have peace spending? that I won't regret that I spent this much, that I won't regret that I didn't spend more. How many rounds will I have peace at that I won't regret? Oh my gosh, why did I make myself go through all those rounds when it didn't even work out? Or if it doesn't work, if, if we don't end up having a live birth, why didn't I do more rounds? What amount of embryos would feel like peace? And if it didn't work out, I, I, I just was so clear with myself six years ago, we were going through this. If it didn't work out, I was the only one who had to be okay not with not asking myself, with not shaming myself, with not living with regret, with not beating myself up. Why didn't I just do another round? And I shared in our fertility story that Jeremy very supportively was like, his gut was like, I don't feel like this can be my decision. And maybe other partners would feel differently and there's nothing wrong with either one, but he just really felt like, I'm fine either way. I think this has to be your call, which can be supportive or it can also be very solitary. And in this case, you know, the other guy can't decide for her. She has to decide for herself. And I said you have to be the one that's at peace with yourself that you have done your best to explore how you think you will feel, how you think You will feel because you can't actually know until you do it. That's the wild thing about leaping, right? There has to be that element of faith. How you will feel about leaving a career, living in a small town, making embryos with this person and saying to yourself, I'm going to play out different scenarios. And I think a big part of regret, like with my book journey, it's so devastating on so many levels. I mean, absolutely still today, what has it been, you know, 15 months since it died, it is absolutely still devastating and affects me on a daily basis on so many levels. And therefore, it wasn't a a good decision, right? Like I was the only one that could make the call that I wanted to pursue this life goal and it did not work out. And yet, while I have raged and grieved, I have not gone down the self-blame, self-shame spiral, because nowhere in the process would it have not made sense for me to do this. Like Just because it didn't work out, I didn't loop on, why didn't I go with the other publisher? Why didn't I go with the next best offer? I mean, it went to auction. There were other people that bid on it. There were other people that wanted it. Like, why didn't I, you know? And then there was that other editor that I like really loved, but she wasn't able to bid on it because the two just had just merged, and so like they were on a higher a, a freeze, an acquisition freeze. And like, if I really wanted her, like, couldn't I just have delayed? And de- I mean, there's just I could have gone down into like spiraling of what all these other options were, but I know exactly why I didn't go with the other publisher or any of those other options. I was seeking wise counsel. I was thinking through different possibilities and all of the ticks and the pro cons that column had more pros by far. So maybe I didn't make the choice that had the happy ending, but I made the best choice I could have. And so I don't blame myself and I don't It's hard to say I don't have regret because I wish it hadn't happened, but I don't, I don't regret the choice I made because I did the wise work to make the choice. And I have the maturity. Thank God. Like, thank goodness I didn't go through this 10 years ago. I have the maturity to go back and say, you were wise you were grounded, you were shrewd, you were savvy, you were strategic, you were all the good adjectives, and it didn't work out. And I said to her, at this stage in our lives, we have the maturity to do that self-reflection, to take that ownership and say, this decision rests with me. And when you think about it, right, in high school, in college, in your early 20s, there's all these times in life when you're trying to make decisions by committee. What do you guys think? Should I go out with him? What do you think about this text? Is this text weird? I don't know. Like what do you think I should write back? Right? Like we we're, we're like what do you think this friend text means? What do you think this like we we're, we're going to committee? Should I get bangs? Do you like this dress? How many things are we going to someone else and sometimes a group of women to say, "Help me make this decision." Because we don't yet have the wisdom to that life experience, to trust ourselves enough to make the decision on our own, and to say I'm the one that cares about myself the most, and who is the most affected by this decision, and who knows myself the best, so I, I'm I'm the only one that gets a vote, and I think I was just so conscious of that in 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 again, not really giving, I guess I was giving some advice. Like I was saying things like, I think you should go back home for a few months because there is a thing that happens. Like when you're on a reality show, you know, you're kind of living in that world and everything is about that world. And then a lot of the couples break up because they go back to the real world and they realize all the other factors that go into it. As I think you need to get some space and know you're probably going to miss this person, but are there other things in your life that aren't right in front of you that you will really miss? I think you need to go through a season of not pursuing that career at all and experiencing what it's like to have that not be part of your day, not be part of your identity and see if you miss it before you, you know, proverbially make make the embryos or whatever sort of get to the point of no return. But when you think of yourself at, you know, 21, I said to her, were we able to be that honest with ourselves at 21 and, and that we, to be honest with ourselves at 21, that we lacked the maturity to know we didn't have the maturity. Like you at 21, when you're in love with a guy, you don't think you're going to change that much in the next four years in the next 40 years. You feel like you are who you are and you think you know what you want in your career choices that you're making and in all of those things. But usually you don't have wisdom at that age to know that you don't have the wisdom at that age. And 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 I say that with humility for all of us because everyone is going to be a 21-year-old whose brain literally has not fully developed yet. But we we're in this kind of, actually, I'm watching the um, Beckham documentary on Netflix. I I highly recommend it. It is riveting. I had no idea all the things that happened in their lives. And I'm halfway through episode two. And Victoria just said about David, I think he was like 23 when this kind of horrible thing was happening to him. I won't spoil it. And um, she just said, like, you're a child of 23. Like the country was putting all of this on him as though you're going to be this perfect person, but you're a child at 23. And so it's almost like realizing how would I have pursued whether or not to risk all of this for love at 21? I would have done it by committee and I wouldn't have had as much wisdom to really be able to go within myself and say confidently, I do know myself. I have done my work. I do know my life and I can make a risk and and, and sacrifice something and and know that it was the right choice to at least try it. Because as you get into your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, beyond, if you've done your work, which my friend and I have, then it's about having built that relationship with yourself that, as I've said in a previous podcast on decision-making, even if the decision is 51-49... Meaning, I I don't know if you know if if a decision is ninety five percent. If you're like I am, barely sacrificing anything. I mean, when you, to be honest, with um my brother in law's accident, one of the siblings has become his primary caregiver, but that that sibling was in between jobs, um had had like just moved to a new city because they were in between jobs, didn't have like hadn't really built community there. I wasn't in a relationship. So they didn't, they didn't really give up much to be like, I think, I think my calling right now is to do this for my brother. Very different scenario. If you're like, we've got, I've got this whole life. I've got kids at home. i have to quit my job. And it's been my career that I've been working towards for 20 years and I can't do it remotely. Like that's a much bigger thing. It was kind of a no brainer to be like, what, what am I giving up? Why why would I not say yes to this? Like, you know, this, this, this feels like an easy yes. But in a situation like this, it's like, I am giving up a lot. And um, I said to her, in giving up all of that, like often there are going to be major sacrifices and you might grieve those sacrifices. And it doesn't mean you weren't right to sacrifice them. I said, I am grieving. I'm I'm sitting in my bedroom right now because Jeremy had important work calls. So he's in the office today um, where I usually am. And I'm literally looking out the Empire State Building and the East River. It's a beautiful day. And I love my home here. I love this city. I love my life here. But I'm, I'm risking that I'm sacrificing that because it just, for, for whatever reason in my soul, it felt like I couldn't picture having an infant here. And I wanted to live nearer to my mom when we had a baby and I wanted to live in warmer weather when we had a baby. And, um, so I said to her, I am, I'm grieving the sacrifices I have made for this new chapter of my life. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. Just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's wrong. It can be right and hard. And also, and you can also say like all signs are pointing in that direction and acknowledging that there will be grief, um, that you can have grief and still feel peace. You can be you can be scared and have peace. Like I feel scared. I I don't know what I feel scared of. I feel scared that like I love who I am in New York. I I feel scared that maybe I feel a little bored or a little ordinary like living in the suburbs. I feel scared that I mean I certainly feel scared about how am I going to juggle work and having a baby and am I not going to have any time to myself anymore like I certainly feel scared and I just feel complete peace that this is this is what we're meant to do in our life this is going to give me more joy I am definitely scared but I also believe that's going to give me more joy. And the fact that I i think because I've walked through that in IVF, in surrogacy, in saying yes to parenthood, in my book story, well, I didn't walk through it in love because my story of falling in love with my husband was very easy. We share a religion. We share a love of the city. We share a love of travel. We were both like, I don't know if I want kids. I could kind of go either way. Like There were so many things that were easy. I really didn't have to sacrifice or make this big decision in the way that she is with romance or with a marital partner, but I had to make it in other areas of my life. I think that gives me the humility to know how personal every one of those calls were and that nobody else really could have given me advice other than you have to trust your gut and that you... You have to feel like, even if this path doesn't work out, I don't know how I could have made another choice because I went through all the things and I'm confident that it was still the right call, even if it didn't work out. Even if in three years they are not happy, even if they make embryos together and then they break up, you know, whatever the story is, there's No way that I could have made another decision in that moment because I was trusting my gut, my intuition, and I've done all this work to establish the relationship with myself where I can trust that I was doing my best and have the humility to know that my best doesn't mean I get the perfect outcome. That I'm honoring myself and also having humility because I said to her, all the right work doesn't mean we can predict the future. And that if you just make the right call, everything will work out. I know I did the right thing moving forward with my book and it's one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. And I initiated that, right? like I did that to myself by having that dream and pursuing it and it devastated me but it was still the right call. I guess I'm trusting that it was my path and I didn't get the answer and the outcome that I want as of today, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't cosmically the right call because I was following the signs. It was what God was telling me to do, you were trusting your gut, whatever your language is, it doesn't, doing all of that doesn't mean that everything will work out. It does mean you had peace that that's the path you were meant to go down while acknowledging you don't know where that path is going to lead. And it may or may not lead to happily ever after, you know, uh, and you may be making, some expedited decisions in her case, and there really was—I mean, I dragged my feet for so long. I—I I wouldn't say I dragged my feet for so long in the book. For so long, when you go back through my Elegant Excellence journal, and we have an exercise called the path, and you're going to lay out your um, your big anchor goal that you want to get to in the next you know 18 months or so, and uh, I'm sorry, arrow goal, and that was. That was my big goal, year after year after year after year. And it just kept getting delayed. I wasn't dragging my feet. It just kept getting delayed. So after all of that time, that was not an expedited decision. The embryos was an expedited decision. Like that just we thought we were gonna do one round, then didn't work. You you don't dilly-dally for another year about it. At that point, you're like, okay, obviously I don't have great egg quality or egg reserve here. Like, we gotta keep going. And then yeah, I sort of again didn't drag my feet. It just wasn't the right time to make the call on parenthood or surrogacy. Until all of a sudden it was like now feels like the right time. So we've got to make the decision. And so whether it's a drawn out process or an expedited process, you're playing out options A, B, and C. You know, if if none of the embryos work, will I regret not having Done more. If we make embryos and then we break up, will I regret having made the embryos? You know, and those answers are so personal. You know, I know I, I said to her at first, I was like, you know, I don't know why three embryos was my number. And then I went, oh no, actually, I do know why three embryos was my number. Because when I went into the very first consult about egg freezing they told me that the eggs I had looked like it would make about three embryos. And that was like a 97% chance of a live birth and doing something one time as a backup, that sounded really high. I was like, okay, great. One and done. But then as I learned more about it, I, I I didn't think, well, maybe four would be safer. Maybe five would be safer. You know, I wasn't wanting more But that was probably also shaped by the fact that we only got one the first time around. So then I was just grateful to get to three. But if I'd been more educated going into that very first appointment, if I knew now what I knew then, I probably would have gone insane. Five embryos would feel like peace. Five embryos I would feel like I could try one or two times to carry And if it didn't happen, then we could move on to a surrogate and we would still have three and now we'd be at the 97%. Like if I could go back, that's probably what I would have said. And and I don't know, maybe that would have changed things then. Maybe I would have done a fourth round and a fifth round and gotten to five embryos and then I would have carried instead of having a surrogate and maybe it would have worked if I would have carried or maybe it wouldn't and we would have been at the surrogate anyways everything just would have gotten more delayed and more complicated I mean it's so personal you just can't know and I've got these two stories right now in my life you know the IVF and the surrogacy all led to you know embryos and and baby that's one story and the other one is the book and so far, one is worked out and one hasn't. Though neither is at the end of the story. And what really is the end of the story, whether you knew that something, quote, worked? Because let's say my the, the first book had gotten published. I could have felt like it was a success. But what if this path that I'm on leads to more success. What if I do write a book, publish a book seven years from now, and it's so much more successful? And it's, I don't know, maybe I learn things now that that protect me then, or I do different things then, or maybe it's just a different time. But if you could play out the sliding doors, maybe the quote, success of publishing the book the first time If you look at where I am in 20 years, maybe it's less successful somehow. I don't know. I stay with that same publisher and they're always kind of lackluster or my book sales are lackluster the first time because it it did get published, but it took so long that all these other things got tired and whatever. Who knows? Like Maybe it doesn't lead to that much success. Maybe by having total decimated death and destruction right now, maybe I'm at a more quote successful place 20 years from now on this other path? Like, I don't know. And right now I am, you know, I am succeeding in, we're 14, uh, I guess now we're 15 weeks into a pregnancy, but something could still happen. Something could happen to the child when they're three. Something could happen to the child when they're 30. I mean, what? what is the, the definition of, I know that it worked. I know that it was The the right choice. It was the happily ever after. I mean, what if this friend moves and falls in love and they have a a child and they're together for 20 years and then they get divorced? Well, was it the wrong choice she made in 2023? What if she moves and falls in love with him and and he, you know, heaven forbid he dies in three years? Well, was it the right choice was it not i mean i think we're so looking for especially when it's our choice and there's so many things in life that aren't right you you didn't make a choice to get cancer you didn't make a choice for the housing market to collapse you didn't make uh you know sometimes you just yeah you were getting pregnant you weren't like thinking that much about it you want you guys wanted to get pregnant you got pregnant like other times you're like agonizing over do we do another round of IVF? Do we do surrogacy? Should we become parents? Should I move and change my life for this person? Should I quit my business? Should I quit my job and start a business? I mean, sometimes we have these big making a decision moments and we want to make the right choice. And yet, When will we know that it was the right choice? How long does it have to, quote, work for? And what does that definition mean to mean that it was right? And then even if it doesn't work out in a much shorter capacity, like you did the three embryos and none of them took, or you you move there for the guy and it falls apart nine months later, it doesn't mean we made the wrong choice. And that trusting yourself doesn't guarantee the dream outcome but that regardless of the outcome you have the peace that you made the right call from the right place asking the right questions and being honest with yourself because you've cultivated that relationship and that the ideal is that the people in your life that as friends as partners as siblings loved ones whatever even even i mean this is my approach as a, a coach and a teacher that i'm trying to help you hear more from yourself understand yourself more because your answers lie within you but we can deeply support one another in guiding one another to that it doesn't mean you just do life in a vacuum all by yourself but it is a very different way to live than we were used to living in our teens, in our 20s, when we were looking to everyone else for the answers. What is this style cool? Do you like my body? That this is so much about the richness of deepening the relationship with yourself. And so I so hope that this helps you maybe forgive yourself for a choice you made that didn't, quote, work out. Um, uh, maybe you decided not to do the IVF. Maybe you are walking through divorce. Maybe you tried the business and it didn't work. Um, or to understand why you feel you have peace with a choice you made, regardless of the outcome. And realize like, yeah, that thing didn't really work out. but i I didn't really blame myself. And I guess it's because, I, I asked the right questions. That's what I was listening. That's where all the signs in the universe were pointing. So can I believe that this actually still was the right path for me, even though right now it does not look like I have the happily ever after in this area? And that it this conversation today helps you give better advice to a friend to get to their answer. Because most of the time, unless someone is deeply educated on a topic, Like they are a, a doctor, you know, you're talking to your IVF doctor about all of the data and all of the statistics and whatever, or they are very wise in marketing and you don't have any experience in marketing, but if it's something as personal as love or whether a goal is going to be meaningful to you or whether you should become a parent, I mean, what, what I want is people around me who guide me to the right questions to ask. So that I can guide me to the right answer. And I think we live in a culture. I mean, I even noticed this isn't necessarily bad, but I've said to my my team before, people love to give advice. So if I like, if I open up the floodgates and start asking in Instagram stories, what do you guys think I should do? Do you think I should be worried that our surrogate is is spotting right now? Do you think I should? Whatever. Everyone's going to want to give me their advice. Of, of what happened to them, what they should do. Like, because we want to share our stories, we want to connect. But I think there's also real, a next level of maturity in saying, I can share my story and also make sure I couch it in the humility that it's just my story and your story might be different. And I've always said that specifically about falling in love, that ideally you only want love stories from people who have, you know, been married for 50 years or were deeply in love when their partner passed or whatever it is. And so everyone's only got one example, ideally, of how they found their partner, what they sacrificed or not, how they knew it was was worth it, how they knew there were the right ones. And so each person's story you're taking is so personal. So maybe there's, you know, you're listening today being like, I did that. I moved. I, I left my whole life. I, I let, went to another country. It was awful. We broke up after two years. Tell her to not do it. And somebody else listening in is like, do it. I left my whole life. I moved to another country and we have three beautiful kids. And it's the best thing I've ever done. Like, You're going to have people who have both stories. So in this case, should they live happily ever after, I will definitely tell you their whole story when I at their wedding, um, one day, if that is, uh, the best path for her, because it really is an incredible story. And I even said to her, if this, I was like, maybe you're meeting this person because this is the novel that you're meant to write that gets turned into a screenplay that is your success story. But this wasn't actually the person you were supposed to, to fall in love with. Like maybe that is, you know, what the, the purpose is. And I also told her, I truly trust from what I know of both of their stories that if this isn't your person, this is this time you spent together is what you both needed to get you to a better place for the next person. And I know that if you're hearing that in your signals, sig- Single, that is the most ug advice to be like, maybe you know, like when someone breaks up and they're like, I just think you deserve someone better or whatever. And it's just so frustrating because you just want to be done. Like, I love that Charlotte York quote from the original Sex in the City when she's like, i am a dating since I was 16. I'm exhausted. Where is he? <laughs> like, you just want to be done. I I want to be an author. The the number of friends I've had that just want to be a mother, like you just you're done. You want to have found your person. So you don't want that advice that maybe the journey is making you stronger. Maybe this is happening for you and not to you. Maybe this is unfolding in the perfect time. You want to be like, screw that. I want it now. I want this to be the answer. I want to be done. But in this case, I can see they both have stories that where they were not with someone that really brought them joy and peace and safety in their last relationship. And that the experience they're having now is meeting someone who shows up with such kindness and respect that I said, it could be that you are both meeting each other to just remind one another of what's possible so that either you don't give up hope in looking for someone or you you don't waste your time with the next dud and kind of settle And you hold out for the gem that is meant for you, for each of them, because you got this taste of, you know what? I wasn't wrong in my last relationship that that wasn't great because I got a taste of what just kindness, care and respect feels like. So that's yeah, I'm right. That's that's what I am holding out for. Even just that is a win. If in five years. You're both happily ever after with your other people. And maybe this truly was just part of a story. And I, again, I think it's, I think I feel not idealistic in saying that because I am in that place with my book. I'm not saying that. I mean, especially as someone who is married. Oh my gosh. If someone who was married had said that to me when I was single, I just would have wanted to be like, and middle finger to you. Like, how dare you act like you know, from your high horse up there of having met your person, blah, blah. But I think because I'm in this other story where I'm like, that's what I'm having to believe about the book. I gotta believe that somehow it's going to be okay in the long run and somehow cosmically this shitstorm was was a part of it because I have the peace with myself that I followed all the signs. I did the right thing. And I didn't get the happy ending yet. That's what I have to work on with myself. I I think I I choo- have to choose to believe that I didn't get the happy ending in that part of my life yet. And so far, my baby choice is a happily ever after. And my book one is a real depressing movie that you would be super sorry you spent two hours of your life and $20 to watch. If this is where it ends, you just be like, really? We went through all of that and then it just, it just sucked. I didn't, I don't want that movie. I want the happily ever after movie. Right. But I'm looking at both of them that, that would be looking at both of them as the end of the movie. Like this is the end of the movie credits roll. They're having a healthy pregnancy and they're going to have a healthy baby and they're going to happily ever after or like, and credits roll. It was all a disaster and it was super depressing. And the moral of the story is your dreams don't always work out, kids. Like I'm thinking of it as the end of the movie, but both of those could be right in the middle of the story. They could be at the beginning of the story. You know, we think of things as I'm going to make that happen in 2023. Like in in 2024, I'm going to get married. In 2024, I'm going to have the baby. In 2024, I'm going to publish the book. And it's going to be the end of that chapter, that story. But what if that's just halfway through the story? What if that's just 25% of the way through the story? And when you actually watch the the movie of my life when I'm 70, this whole book debacle just comes in 30 minutes into a two-hour film. I've never thought about it that way until just right now. But how different does that feel, right? Maybe I... Maybe we're only 30 minutes into the movie or maybe my friend is 75% of the way into the movie and the wedding in 2024 is, you know, going to be the climax or maybe this is 40% into it and the the real love story is the one that comes after this. I don't know. I'm just trusting that in my faith belief, God is good. In your spiritual belief, maybe the universe has your back. I'm believing that it gets better. And if I'm wrong that it gets better, then as I've said before here, at least I was happier along the way to whatever the outcome is. And as cheesy as it sounds, I hate the like, it's the journey, not the destination. But gosh darn it, if the more I think about it and reflect on it, that doesn't feel more true. That I want to have peace and joy in the decisions I'm making today because I don't know what the outcome is regardless. So how can I feel as peaceful and confident in the actions that I take today, knowing in humility, I don't know where they will lead, but I can trust that I'm on the best path for me, doing my best, having the life I'm meant to lead. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is the island of Capri. Friend, we had gotten off the boat and taken the little funicular, the little trolley car up to the top of the mountain where the town was. We've been walking for about three minutes. So we've been on this island for about six minutes total. And I turned to Jeremy and said, this is one of our new favorite places. I could just feel it. And I articulated a couple, or maybe the next day, why that was, is that we, there's a website called Mr. and Mrs. Smith that has kind of like luxury boutique hotels. We've only stayed at three of them, um, Majorca, Portugal, and um, Marrakesh, uh, Morocco. And each time they are our favorite trips that we have taken. We love this energy, which really is just total relaxation. It's just beautiful and peaceful. And there's so much ease and there's so much rest, but it's so beautifully inspiring. That really is Jeremy and I's happy place. But the magic of Capri is that unlike those other three places that we have uh, stayed at, which were called uh, Cazorque, La And in, Cazorque in Majorca, La And in Portugal, and Les do tours in uh, Marrakesh, All three of those were were far out, were isolated. You were just on the property the whole time, pretty much. And Capri, those hotels are walkable. They're in the midst of this darling, charming island town, with where there's no cars in the main city center. The roads are all too narrow. There's these little like. They look like toy cars, like my nephew would have played with, that go around. So it's just, it's walkable, it's cobblestones, you're just wandering, and then you're going back. It just was like all our favorite things, because also Jeremy hates cars, he hates, which I know sounds funny because we live here in New York City, but um, just the, the busyness, the traffic, the pollution, kind of all of that, and I think especially going beginning of October, but has to be the best time, has to be the best time. It was perfect weather to be swimming in the ocean, to be swimming in the pool, to be outside in a bathing suit and yet off peak season. So it just wasn't jam packed and crowded. And the other magic of Capri is that there is a ferry that comes over from the mainland and it doesn't land until like 10 a.m. And then I think it goes back around 4.30 p.m. So anyone who's coming over for the day who's not staying there is only there during the real peak of the day. So if you go out in the morning with your coffee and croissant and take a walk around, it's only the locals and the people that are staying there. It's not all the tourists that are coming over with their their backpacks and their walking guides and whatever. And the same thing when you go out for dinner. And so there wasn't, we went to Way, is that how you say it, in Greece for our honeymoon um, years ago. And we really weren't fans because it was just so packed. It was like being at Disneyland on an overly full day where you just, it was beautiful, but you're just shuffling along with all these other people. Jeremy was just not a fan of it. And so the fact that we could, were at our hotel when everybody else was out and about, and then in the morning at night is when we would go out and it was just much more light and quiet. It certainly wasn't desolate and deserted, but it just felt so much more spacious And maybe 10 years ago, my girlfriend Carrie had told me that Capri was one of the most, was the most beautiful place in the world she'd ever been. And I always remembered that. I'm sure other people have told me that, but for some reason about other places that they have been, what their favorite place was. But for some reason, it always stuck in my head that Carrie was like Capri is the most beautiful place I've ever been in the world. And so it always been on my radar to want to go, but it wasn't kind of the number one driver for this trip. We wanted to go to Italy in general. There were many places we could have gone. Um, and the trip kept getting shortened in the the length of time we were going to be there. So things kept getting taken off the list. And I wasn't thinking like, I must go to Capri, but I was thinking I've I've wanted to go. I've wanted to go for a long time. I think it would be really really cool. But you know, sometimes when you've has me in your head, you also know you could be disappointed. There's so many things that kind of don't live up to the hype. And oh my gosh, this for me, for us, just live up to the hype. And and it had not been on Jeremy's radar. And while we're there, I say to him, you know, we have a coffee table book on Capri in our house. He was like, we do? He said, yeah, it's next to the end table next to my side of the couch. Do you guys have like a side of the couch that you always sit on? I have my seat. He has his seat. I was like, yeah, next to my side of the couch, there's three books and it's a like Jackie Kennedy, Capri and New York. And he's like, oh, I've never seen that. So we came home. I like opened up the book, started reading to him about the history and the quotes. And I probably got that book At a used bookstore, I think um, a lot of my coffee table books have come from going to used bookstores where you find things for cheap that just look beautiful and kind of convey an an interest, an essence, a vibe um, to decorate with um, on a budget because coffee table books can be insanely expensive. So I probably bought it um, online from a used bookseller just thinking like, "Ooh, that sounds beautiful. Literally don't think I had ever opened the book until I actually went. And now, I mean, we just kept thinking, we can't wait to come back here with the baby and um, to just come back here over the years and just feel like this is now going to be one of our places. And I'll also share, I think I'm going to share over on Instagram, a kind of odd experience that I had there with my body, with always feeling like I look three, four months pregnant because my stomach's never been flat. And then actually we are expecting a baby in, you, you know, we, we are quote three to four months pregnant, meaning our surrogate is pregnant with our embryo, but I'm not carrying. It's a whole deeper conversation, but I, I, I wrote some thoughts on it that I think I'm going to have the courage to post on Instagram. Um, and because of that, it it ended up feeling like a baby moon because I sort of decided to just go and embrace that my body looks like someone who is expecting to have a baby in six months. And that is true. And this is the only time in my life that will feel like that. And I don't, my body doesn't look like that when I'm wearing clothes, only when I'm wearing a a tiny bikini (laughs) and I don't normally wear a tiny bikini. I have one that I wear on sexy vacations with my husband. Otherwise I just like, I wear a high-waisted thing and, Um, so when I went to try on everything as I was packing, I realized like I either, I suck in, in this so that I don't look pregnant. But what if I just decided to be like, yeah, I'm expecting a baby in six months. Like, and this is just my actual body. And maybe someone will think I'm pregnant. And actually that would be cool because there's no other time in this journey that I'm going to look like that. Um, so anyways, whole longer conversation that, Again, maybe I'll share. Um, I've written some things that I will, I think, hopefully have uh the courage um to put together. I guess courage because I don't know. I just don't know if other people are gonna think it's it's weird. I guess it feels like a really niche experience to me, but also it's my experience in my body and in my motherhood journey, you know? So um I think weirdly I'm fearful that I'll be Judge for it, even though I haven't been able to act. Jeremy was like, "What are you afraid people are going to say?" And I was like, "I can't tell you one thing. I just somehow have this fear that people are going to be judgmental about it. And yet, if it's meaningful to me, it, that that's what matters. And whatever is meaningful to you. And I felt like we were on this baby moon because I just kept like putting my hand on my stomach and being like, "Oh my gosh, like he slash C is gonna be here in." you know, six months and five and a half months, whatever. And then also it just so happened that we had our 14 week ultrasound while we were there. It was supposed to be earlier. It got rescheduled and we did not, we were not expecting, I mean, we've never been through this before. We just, you don't know what you don't know. So I, you're just always happy to, to see the heartbeat. I mean, that's what you're really there for is to just be like, okay, great. Got the heartbeat again. And it just wasn't occurring to us that at some point it was going to go from looking like two, you know, ovals that, that don't look that different than like I still have the photo of our embryo um, sitting here right here on my desk. It doesn't look that different from uh, this photo than it was lo- than the baby was looking in the um, in the womb all of these weeks, and we'd only seen the baby like two. No, maybe it had, I guess it had been four weeks. I guess it had been four weeks. We went in because there was a bleeding scare and that's why we ended up getting pushed to 14 weeks instead of 12 weeks. Um, so I guess it had been four weeks and we just, we don't know what we don't know. The baby was like, like moving its hand and kicking its legs and we were just, both. were standing outside. This is a whole other story for another time, but we're standing outside this restaurant because we had reservations and her appointment kept getting delayed. She'd been there for an hour and a half. They weren't seeing her yet. So we're like standing on a dark street corner in Capri, uh, trying to get under a, a, a street light so that she can see us at all. Our doctor can see us at all on FaceTime. And we're just giddy. It just was the first time that we were like, oh my gosh, it looks like a baby. And so I think that combined with my body combined with just feeling like we've stumbled upon a magical place, just felt like we will never forget this time in our lives. And this is always going to be a place for us now, even with bringing our kid back to be like, this was just, this is where we saw your your hands and your feet for the first time. And this is um, just a really special place to us now in our journey as a family. Um, And I think also going to places for the first time that neither Jeremy and I have been to always feel special to me. I love like going to Paris, but I had been to Paris before him. It kind of became our city, but I had been there first. And so I think sometimes maybe again on our theme today, when things don't happen that maybe, you know, this happens to be like about a city and a, huge thing, but say you'd had a trip to go someplace and it gets canceled. Maybe when it happens is an even more special time. And it's just that like, Oh, this is so annoying. This didn't work out. Or this is such a bummer a disappointment. Is there a little thing that you're like, actually in the story though, it gets better. We go at it. It's even more special at the time that we go. Um, And I'm sure we would have had magical time in Italy had we gone back in 2020. Um, It's Again, not to say that everything has to be the perfect timing, but this timing was really special. And it was really special that if my friend, if this is her happily ever after, like I got to be there for so much of the play by play. Um, And I guess, you know, just with a lot of other things that are up in the air in our life right now, it just makes me wonder, okay, God, what else, what else is happening for us? What else is unfolding at the right time, and will I look back one, three, five, 10, 20 years later and be like, Oh, that totally worked out for good, even though I was bummed or stressed or deeply grieved or totally unsure in the moment, and believing the same thing, my friend, for you? So, I will see you over on Instagram and then back here for our next Your Welcome Wednesday with Grace. And- next Wednesday.